A short trigger warning here for my listeners. In today's episode, you will be hearing directly from a survivor of domestic violence. In her own words, Simone O'Brien will share her story, including the details of the horrific attack she endured. This may be triggering for some listeners, and I encourage you to skip this episode if you need to. He actually told me he wasn't married or no children. And I actually believed him because real estate is a really busy life and, you know, experiencing it myself, it's a seven-day job basically. After the court hearing, which was two and a half years after the assault because of my mental state, and his face was showed around our nation, two wives came forward. Two. He had two previous wives that you knew nothing about. And three children. And he'd actually assaulted both of them. So my message there is... I'm a third wheel here. I shouldn't be here today talking to you about domestic violence because if that first wife had spoken up, and this is why I suppose I'm emphasising on all ages to speak up because if that first wife had spoken up, I would never have met him online because he wouldn't have got his his police check through the real estate licence. So that's the importance of us all speaking up. Hello and welcome back to Medusa's Mic. Today, I'll be continuing part two of my conversation with Simone O'Brien. Simone is an incredibly resilient and courageous woman who suffered an horrific domestic violence attack in 2012. Today, Simone uses that experience and the knowledge she's gained to help stop perpetrators from ever hurting anyone else ever again. Let's continue Simone's story. Also, just side note, if you're hearing the dog barking and a few squeaks in the background, Simone's little dog, Louie, is hanging around and getting a little bit of attention. Well, wanting a bit of attention there. So just letting everyone know about that. So you had these feelings early on and you were disciplining your own son. He yeah. was So he was, the perpetrator actually was putting making you turn against your own son, basically. And I guess when you worked out that that was going on, when you would confront him about the different things, when you would think finally work out, oh, hang on, that's not what's going on. He's actually done this. What was the perpetrator's response when you'd confront him about these things? No, I didn't. I didn't. You didn't? I, I didn't. No, I remember I only said to him I couldn't give him like 110% like of, of my time. I didn't know. I never confronted him about the, um, it was just my gut intuition. I, I yeah, never brought it up with him. And that's why I spoke to, to my friend and said, look, this isn't, mm. little things aren't sitting right. Yeah, no, never, never brought it up with him. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I suppose I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't going to. I'll admit that because I, I didn't know what was, you know, you know, if you did that or not in your relationship because, you know, nothing like that happened with the biological father. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it was, mm. And I just kept it all, all to myself. So it's really interesting, isn't it, how we're not really taught to trust ourselves? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I guess what what's coming up for me then is with the red flags, you mentioned things like things weren't sitting right. So there was the the contacts were going awry, but then you were blaming your son and he was obviously, you know, the perpetrator was obviously pointing the finger at your son. What are some of the other red flags that you look back now and you think, oh, that 
I felt off at the time, but I dismissed it or I just papered yeah. over it. But I know now looking back, that's a red flag. And I definitely think other people should be looking out for those red flags too. Absolutely. Well, he actually told me he wasn't married or no children. And I actually believed him because real estate is a really busy life and, you know, experiencing it myself, it's a seven-day job basically. And that is an area we all really need to, to look into more because after the court hearing, which was two and a half years after the assault because of my mental state, and his face was showed around our nation, two wives came forward. Two. He two. had two previous wives that you know nothing about. And three children. And he'd actually assaulted both of them. So my message there is I'm a third wheel here. I shouldn't be here today talking to you about domestic violence because if that first wife had spoken up, and this is why I suppose I'm emphasising on all ages to speak up because if that first wife had spoken up, I would never have met him online because he wouldn't have got his, his police check through the real estate licence. So that's the importance of us all speaking up, especially with our next generations coming through. And that's where, why the red flags, getting them into schools are so important because mm. our one wife didn't speak up and now I'm the, the one that has suffered. Mm. But we've all got nieces and daughters and, you know, siblings, whatever, aunties, grandmas. We don't want them to go through this either. So we'll need to do a bit of research on who we're we're looking in for even though that was a, a safety net for me it really wasn't in the end mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. okay so the red flag then is that if he has a history of domestic violence then that's definitely something to go mm, okay hang on absolutely mm. and this is this is where you know we need to be able to virtually look people up you know or not let them go on dating sites if this is the case you know to Mm. to flag them off straight away Mm. and you know because the little red flags we don't want them starting you know eight eight ten weeks ago I don't know what date it was but you know there was a 16 year old stabbed his 15 year old girlfriend because she wanted to end a relationship you know this is Mm. Mm. my message on the red flags is any little red flag please if your gut instinct at all says, make sure you unpack it because, um, look, mine was there, my instinct was there, I tried to get out and, yeah, now I'm, I'm a third wheel and I, I shouldn't be here talking about domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So if you're starting a relationship with someone, and this is for anyone who's listening, and you get a little bit, something comes up, what do you think are some of the top things that might be making us feel a bit off that we might tend to paper over or try and disregard the lying I suppose is one of them and if they won't talk about their history you know in relationships and you know what and that's where he was able to just sort of fob it off because he was in real estate and you know and that was probably that was me myself because I just yeah I knew how busy I was and um, so you really got to look into especially um at I'm going to say my age, you know, and he's still single. You you need to know why. You know, there's obviously history there. It, it may not be domestic violence. It, it could be the other way around. It could be, you know, I'm not here just to boohoo men, it, but it's just a way I speak mm. about it is because it's the figures that, you know, why we're losing so many women. So we need to really look at why why they are single at, at, at my age and or but even if it's, you know, 
late 20s, you know, there could be an issue there that he had a young love and didn't work out. And so you really got to unpack any person's situation. I suppose now that's where I get that gut feeling on somebody. And yeah, just, I I, I, I suppose I block anybody that's I feel negative or mm. get that vibe about now. So mm. yes, please, mm. yeah. Don't don't just go into a relationship because you don't want to be single. You're better off to put a bit of effort into it. Do a bit of research. You know, ask ask questions. And if he gives you a name or anything, don't be scared to ring up someone about him. I mean, because it's your life. And you know, I <coughs> I, I nearly lost mine because of it and because of lies. And yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. it's yeah. Mm. So there's the lying, there's the previous relationship history. What are some of the other things see, that felt he, off to you? I suppose the flowers to the office, oh, the over the over the top yes. uh, stamp. It was really, when you were talking about that, it really felt like he was stamping his ownership on you in a very public way. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. And he tried to drop the kids off at the sport and it was on his act that would go with him because the two girls wouldn't go with him to drop. He tried to look like the good person by helping me out because they Mm. knew how busy I was. So instead of my friends doing it, he was trying to to overtake that. Yeah, just anything that made him look like the good guy, basically, in in all directions or facet. Oh, you know, I'll I'll go do the groceries. But little did I know at that time, I thought it was great, but that was actually money he was stealing out of my wallet. Do you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, so that's where it's when you start wow. unpacking a situation and that's where I suppose in in all directions you know a female or male relationship let's you know really look from from my experience don't just rush into it you know because you need a partner look into it first you've got to be happy for that long you know life mm. so yeah mm. Mm. right well I think <coughs> there's a lot of stuff to take away from your story that you've shared so far and I know that we've talked off mic about the work you're you're starting to do with perpetrators mm-hmm. and you were even in one of the jails recently I understand um, talking to perpetrators can you tell us a bit more about that work that you're doing? It was in a jail, wasn't in a jail oh, sorry that actually just got out of jail right and obviously a session and they had to come and do a part of their probation and different things the men's behavior change program and I did two sessions yesterday, actually, and so probably 20 guys I addressed out of those two sessions and it, I actually told them because, you know, I don't know their name. I'm sorry, I know their names but don't know of them, but I just got the facilitators just gave me a bit of a rundown, you know, what they'd done, you know, sort of what their reasoning was and it was like they, they're the victim, that they didn't want to take blame for what they'd done and the uh, to me it's it's childish you know they go you know we all, I had to have the last say so I yelled even louder and then you know I grabbed it by the throat so I, I tried to get their mindset changed and say to them instead of being the child you need to be the master I said you don't want your children growing up like this and one guy actually said he goes Simone he said my dad was abusive and belted my mum around and he's, he, he was actually self-referred to this course because he'd started doing it at home. And he goes, I could see my dad doing it to my mum. And my four-year-old daughter was there. He goes, I had to, I had, I had to get help because I knew it was going to. I said, well done for that. I acknowledge that he, do, he was doing well for being there. But I said, 
you can see what's going to happen. Monkey say, monkey do. If you don't, your daughter could be the one that's getting the at the end of it because she thinks it's okay for men to hit women. And so she could be the one that's going to be like me and get struck by a baseball bat and let it happen and not tell anybody. Mm. And he said, you know, you're so right. And so changing their mindsets from this child and keeping it going and having the last say to be the master and looking at their children. Yesterday was so rewarding for me in knowing that I'd actually made perpetrators cry because they'd seen the opposite side. They, When they're at their scene, obviously they get taken away, whereas they don't see the side of a woman being taken away after the damage that's been done. So, yeah, that, you know, that was really rewarding. And I even offered, I don't give them my contact details, obviously, but I said, contact the facilitator and I will, I will liaise and answer any questions or whatever. But, you know, I spoke to them for over an hour and I felt like I, I actually made some ground yesterday. And can I ask, when you're talking about you're saying that they're behaving like the, the child yeah. and that's, I suppose, that lack of um, self-regulation of emotions and, and all that kind of thing, but you're telling them to be the master. You're saying you're not saying to be the master of the people around you. You're saying them to master themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And love yourself. I said, look at me. I look different. I said, but you know what? I love myself now. And I said, I don't want people looking bad at me that I'm, I'm a bad person. I said, a smile. And I, and I told them, I said, you know, I say three things to myself, never give up, stay positive and keep smiling. I said, they're all free. I said, you do it and see how, how good you feel. I said, rather than, you know, yelling at something that you don't, you know, think is right, but, you know, go for a walk or something, take yourself out of the situation if you feel yourself doing it and remember, remind yourself that you are the master. You've got to take control. Otherwise, your children are going to end up in jail as well. Like I, in that situation, it was good I could actually say the word jail because 50% of the group had been there. Do you know what mm, I mean? So mm. it wasn't out of out of out of the ordinary for them. So it really made them sit back and realize and yeah, take it in. So you feel that potentially you've made an impact on some of the people, some of those men who were in the room. Yes, because they've never looked at it because one man had 10 kids. Mm. You know, and I said, you know, you don't want your 10 children being the victim. I said, you know, and what what if, you know, three women every day is affected by domestic violence? I said, that's three days of your children that are affected by domestic violence. I said, you don't want that every day. Mm. It's, it's, you know, it's, yeah. So, yes, I, I, I honestly, um, with my gut feeling again, yes, I, I do feel like I really um, helped yesterday. Mm. And do you feel that because, you know, in all honesty, and I have said this to people before, when I think about perpetrators, the, the, the particularly vicious ones I'm keeping in mind here, yeah. I often think to myself, I just want to put them into the sun cannon and shoot them into the sun. And, and I think that's probably quite a common feeling. I don't think I'm alone yeah. in that. No. But we do have to be, if we are going to turn the tide yeah. of domestic violence and we need to have a belief in restorative justice yeah. and have find ways to achieve that do you feel that having people like you who've unfortunately been on the receiving end of horrific dv do you feel that that's one of the keys to getting to ha- helping to shift some of those perpetrators to stop that behavior do you, do you feel that's a key to doing that absolutely and I've since 
realized with you know getting out and speaking out in different fields and with the police I spoke at a national police conference for Australia and New Zealand just before November before lockdown and I've realized that our police system isn't aligned in Australia if this had what had happened to me in Queensland he got life for attempted murder if it happened in Victoria he might have only got two years and out in parole in eight months are you kidding me no, no. And uh, what? Is, yes. Are you? No, I'm not. I'm not. I, I, just, I don't even know how that would be possible, knowing the injuries that you incurred. There were 70 odd witnesses for the trial. He actually pleaded not guilty and was actually going back again for another hearing. And it wasn't until the bait and clay scenario, because it was dropped down to manslaughter, and then they changed it back to murder. But he was still only getting out in like 12 years for murder. And once they did put that one back to murder, he withdrew his application. Okay. Yeah. And this is how dodgy they all are. They try and go through the systems while they're in jail. And, you know, meanwhile, they're, they're getting legal advice and having all this legal ammunition while they're in there, but they get it for free as well. So, yes, it's it's not right. It's, as you can hear it in my voice, it, it actually makes me quite very disappointed with our systems that we're not all aligned because, you know it's and as I speak to you you know we've lost 17 women this year and 14 children already yeah you know it's and so that something's got to be done you know n- no one we speak about the deaths of COVID but we don't speak about the deaths and that that's only the ones we know of yeah you know so so yes it's not not all aligned and in all the different fields I suppose that people have contacted me that I've got, I do, you know, help in different areas from whether it's pre, you know, court hearing to getting women set up in homes and then after they come out of refuge, it's, it, it we all just got to work together. It, there's, you know, everyone tries to outdo each other or not, not work in a line, but we've all just got to work in a line together, you know, mm. be, be as one whole and, yeah. So sharing of personal story. And get making sure that our systems at all levels yes. are working together. Absolutely. I Absolutely. mean, certainly from my perspective, if you look at the landscape in Australia, and I don't think it's any different anywhere else in the world, to be frank, no. we see that we see that inconsistency on the daily. Absolutely. And the fact that you just said the sentence could have been so different just because you lived in another state is just I appalling is actually a complete understatement of how I'm feeling about that right now absolutely and you know and that's where I think when I was at this police conference it was mind-blowing to me to find out the stuff that I was finding out and I was honored that I could stay there for the two days and listen once I'd spoken and I'd actually um, heard a neurologist from WA reliever a lady and she actually said if a baby's in a womb and a mother is um, a victim of DV, the baby will even recognise DV. Then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's it's it's what we need to stop. And if we we've got it, this is where we've got to change. And our young boys, you know, m- manners, you know, we've got to bring that. Yes, COVID has has lost all respect. All now we're just all on computers and things. We've got to get back to normal life and have start having respect. Mm. and we're put on this earth for a reason and we don't need to be you know 
treated like shit if I can say that. Sorry. Mm. You can absolutely you can absolutely say that. I actually think your language has been remarkably uh, <laughs> refined considering the situation yeah. that you have been through. Happy for swearing if that's if swearing is what's required. Simone, absolutely. I, um, I'm not a swearer and that's the worst I would do. Um, mm. But it's because I've just, you know, kept my alignment in a positive manner because I know how healthy and rewarding it is for myself. And I know when I we finish chatting today, I know I'll feel like I've lost 10 kilos because it's like, yes, you're here to help me and you're going to take some of the weight off me as well and it's going to go out to more people that's going to help do you know what I mean so it's mm. we um do it in a positive way well people you know you know you're attracted to positive people and yeah absolutely absolutely mm-hmm. I mean the whole point of the podcast is to share story expert expertise and um, information so that everyday people can take action because I'm a very firm believer that it's not we can't just rely on the police to change what they're doing or the judiciary or the government because even if they had the will and honestly sometimes some of those institutions don't even if they had the will they're huge and those changes take time and I so to hear that you're going out and you're talking to people about your story and you feeling like with perpetrators you are getting some traction there and maybe changing some minds and some behaviors like that's just that's yeah. the underpinning ethos of what this podcast is about. And I think that's amazing. And I think it's also, it must take something from you to go into places where you feel the perpetrated straight away. Yeah, absolutely. And you can tell who's lying and who's not. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you just, I don't know. I suppose now I don't say, anything when I know something is is wrong as in you know I won't try and make an argument over it you know less mm. best and it's more powerful and I, I've learned that and straight to the point you know is mm. you know and mine I suppose today I'm, I'm I feel so natural because that's the way it should be it should domestic violence shouldn't be put up and that it's got to be you know take one take two take three to get it right it's just a natural Mm. Things to make a difference, yeah. Mm. And we just need to talk about these things openly because when you pull something out of the shadows, it can't continue to flourish, right, in the dark. So I, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. I guess I just want to end then our conversation, which I have to say is thank you for um, being so willing to share your story because it is a very confronting story to have to have gone through. And I have so much admiration for the work that you're doing now. It's just incredible. It really is incredible. I just want to finish off by asking you if there was one thing that you could tell our listeners right now, one thing that you feel they should do or they can do to play a role in stopping domestic violence and sexual violence in their communities, what is the one recommendation that you would give them? Check in on anyone, like, are you okay? And be that nagging mum like me. If you see your neighbour even is doing something different, that they do the same every day and you've picked it up that they do something different, you know, yell out to them, are you okay? But don't just do it once or twice. Ask the same thing five or six times because they'll eventually say, oh, I fell over last night, I broke my hip, but, I, you know, in that situation, that's just an example. Mm. I don't want to let anyone know, but I, you know, but and that's the same in the domestic violence and sexual assault. If you know 
oh, Simone's wearing long clothes today and it's 40 degrees outside. Why is she doing that? You know, Simone, why have you got a jumper on? It's too hot. And she says, oh, no, I'm cold. Go back again. It's hotter now, Simone. You know, you're going to get sick. And mm. you say that to her five or six times and she'll say, oh, look, last night he pushed me into a wall. And then, you know, let's go and get help. Let's talk about it, you know, at least. You, you've on that step and she knows that it, she's in a safe place because you've you've keep approaching her so she knows that you're concerned you know what I mean so mm. are you okay you know three simple words and just be that nagging mum if you notice something different in someone or you know the kids are at school and she's using that as an excuse for not coming into work oh no Belinda's homesick today I can't come into work no he may not be letting her go to work today as well mm. so you know unpack yeah are you okay Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling on now, but yeah. No, I, you're not rambling at all. I think <laughs> everything you've said is really valuable and it's giving really good specific examples of what people can look out for. Yeah. And I suppose the other thing is just what came through to me really strongly in our conversation today is trust your gut, trust your intuition. If it feels Absolutely. off, it probably is and yeah. follow that through for yourself yeah. and for other people. Absolutely, yeah. Even if you think a friend started seeing a guy you know, let her know you don't feel safe. Get her to check in about mm. more on him. You know, it's um, mm. you know, we've got a voice, and us women were put on this earth for a reason, and it wasn't to be dealt with domestic violence, and we've got to look out for each other. So speak up. Absolutely. Thank you, Simone, so much for talking to us today. I'm I'm just so grateful that you came along and shared your story with us. I really appreciate your time. And um, sorry to everyone about Louis, but he (laughs) (laughs) He just wanted some attention. (laughs) Yes, no. So, yeah, but no, thank you. Thank you. Very much appreciate it. Thanks so much for your company today. If you feel more informed or empowered after listening to this podcast, please leave us a review or share this episode with a friend or family member. Medusa's Mic is brought to you by the Stop Sexual Violence Collaboration, an enterprise to bring people together to discuss and facilitate sexual violence prevention and response initiatives. The music for today's podcast is brought to you by Dima Tishko from Tank. The opinions and perspectives offered on Medusa's mic are solely those of the interviewer and the interviewees. They are our expressed personal opinions and views. They are not intended or meant to replace any treatment or advice you may be receiving from a licensed professional. If you have specific concerns or a situation in which you require professional, psychological, medical or legal help, you should consult with an appropriately trained and qualified specialist. This episode is copyrighted and should not be reproduced without express permission from SSV Colab and Lucretia Ackfield.